Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Is it possible that you, like myriads of Christians, that's biblical language, are suffering from a self-inflicted wound? This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Lou Priolo is going to help you discover the cure to the self-inflicted wound of bitterness. You say, wait a second, I'm not bitter because I've done something to myself. Something was done to me. That's why I'm bitter. And that is indeed true. Bitterness, usually I can't think of a case when it does exist, when something bad hasn't happened, when somebody hurts you, that is a potential initiator for bitterness, but it does not cause the bitterness. Remember, nothing that people do out there is the cause for whatever is going on in your heart. What people do out there, it can be, get ready for this word, trigger a response from you, but you are still the one responsible for how you respond. That's why we can't say, it's the woman you gave me. I wouldn't be so crabby if my wife were fill in the blank. My kids, they make me so angry. No, they don't. They give you an opportunity to be angry, but you make you angry. And so it is with bitterness. And I can't help but wonder if all of us aren't feeling a little bit more bitter lately. Now, I'm not talking about personal relationships at the moment. I'm, I'm talking about in general toward our world. You say, well, how do... How does that connect exactly? Well, the world is doing things that assault our senses, that absolutely cause our consciences to go, what in the world is going on out there? It, it almost feels like PTSD. It's traumatic to live in this world. And if we do not do what Dr. Lou Priolo prescribes in his book, Bitterness, then, then, then we're going to be increasingly agitated with the world. What is the cure for bitterness? Well, it starts by understanding why are you bitter in the first place? Somebody's done something to you. Whatever it happens to be, whatever the slight, whatever the harm, somebody has sinned against you. It's always so helpful to use biblical language when describing what is going on in your world. Because if you just say things like, well, my relationship has chilled with that person. Well, that might be descriptive, but it's not biblical language. That person sinned against me. By using biblical language, we immediately get a pretty strong clue what my response should be. When I'm sinned against, first of all, let's be clear. If you're in physical danger, you, you find a safe place. But if you've been sinned against, slighted, you, you, you've been hurt by somebody's tongue, they've sinned. What are you supposed to do in response to somebody's sin? The answer is forgive. And that is why bitterness is a self-inflicted sin. Even the world has caught on to this. Just forgive. It's the greatest gift that you can give to yourself. Well, that's wrong because actually forgiveness is a gift we give to the person who sinned against us. They gave you sin, a slight, a nasty word, gossiped about you. You take it, forgive it. You're basically taking their sin, you're putting it into a box, wrapping it in gift paper, putting a ribbon around it, and handing it back saying, here, this is for you. That's what forgiveness is. It's a gift to another person. The benefits for you, however, is that it will remove a root of bitterness. Because that is why we have bitterness residing in our hearts. It's not because of what was done to us. It's because we're not responding biblically by forgiving. Are you bitter? 
you know, you, you maybe don't even need help identifying this one. Perhaps you do, but you're sour when you think about that person, those people, that nation, perhaps. Nothing positive comes out of your mouth. It's negative. It's sharp. It, it, it's a sign of bitterness. This is what Lou Priola writes. Bitterness is the result of not forgiving others. If you're bitter at someone, it means you haven't truly forgiven that person. Bitterness is the result of responding improperly, a.k.a. unbiblically, to an offense. See to it, said Bob, the author of Hebrews. No one comes short of the grace of God that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by it, many be defiled. It is a nasty sin. What are some evidences of bitterness? Well, if you don't know for sure, if you are experiencing this root issue, you have difficulty in resolving conflicts. Does that describe you? They never get resolved well. There's no forgiveness that's taking place. You consider acts a vengeance. You withdraw. You have outbursts of anger. You use biting sarcasm. Now, see, Jimmy, I don't use biting sarcasm. I just use sarcasm, so I'm not bitter. Okay. Even though I wish Lou Priolo hadn't pointed this out. Not bitter. That you use biting sarcasm or ironic intonations, snide remarks, mean-spirited joking, caustic comments, scornful replies, or any other version of sarcasm could be a sign of bitterness. Condescending communication. Ooh, you talk to an adult like they're a child, which actually I'm not even sure we should talk to children that way. The point is we condescend. It's a sign. It's a fruit of bitterness. You criticize, judgmental, always find problems, resentful. You're suspicious. You distrust. You're intolerant. You're hypersensitive. And you're impatient. Bitterness causes us to lose biblical perspective, writes Priolo. It magnifies forgivable offenses so they seem unforgivable. And it tempts you to resort to unbiblical means of delivering ourselves from the trial rather than waiting on God to work through our peacemaking attempts to resolve the conflict biblically. Does that sound familiar? Do you disrespect somebody? Do you rebel against authority? Rebellion rarely occurs apart from bitterness. Seed of hurt sprouts into bitterness, matures into stubbornness. Misuse of authority. Are you depressed? Do you remember with great specificity the details of an offense? These are all signs you could be bitter. And if it has been in your heart for a long time, and if you don't remove one form of bitterness after the other, because let's be honest, we live in a world where people hurt us, don't we? We live in a world where there's no pain like family pain, is there? Most likely, it's the people that are closest to you. There's no pain like church pain. That's where we should be loved, not assaulted. And if you aren't removing those roots of bitterness from your life by forgiving, you're, 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 you're going to become a curmudgeon. And while I recognize being a curmudgeon has its charms, because sometimes I feel like being one, uh, that's not what Jesus looked like. He was a man of sorrows indeed, but he was a joy-filled man. We remove bitterness by offering forgiveness. When you forgive someone, it is expensive. You have to pay for the, the price of the sin by just relinquishing it. What it costs you, writes Priolo, however, is minutiae. I guess that'd be plural for minutia. So lots of minutias. It's puny compared to what the cost of the Lord Jesus Christ paid to forgive you of your sins, which is why unforgiveness is a heinous crime in the eyes of God. That, that's what it, Matthew 18, you wicked slave, you wouldn't forgive the dead. Wicked. When, when you don't forgive, you're acting wickedly. And so in order to 
be able to forgive. You've got to do sin math. Consider your debt to the Lord. Consider the payment that he made on your behalf. Then consider whatever it is that was done to you, and I'm not minimizing it in any way, shape, or form. It was real and it was painful. But by comparison, you would have to conclude it's really not that big of a deal by comparison. I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but by comparison, what hurt you is minutiae. Priolo, never forget the debt that you owe God for your sins is humanly incalculable and absolutely unpayable. You'll never be able to repay God for the trillions of dollars worth of debt your sins has incurred in the bank of heaven. It's a debt that has been totally paid for by the death of Christ on the cross. To him, you are now eternally indebted. And that means filled with that knowledge and joy and gratitude doesn't mean that sins don't need to be dealt with. It doesn't mean that you don't keep yourself safe. It doesn't mean that the relationship is restored, but it does mean we're commanded to forgive or we're acting wickedly. How do you do that? Next on Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you, and it will empower you to help others, too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Books of the Bible. John was a disciple and close friend of Jesus. John's Gospel presents Jesus as the Word become flesh, God in human form. He also emphasizes belief in Christ as the only way, truth, and life. God writes so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, we may have life in His name. Believe in Jesus today and have life everlasting. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not a single song on the subject since Brian Adams. Please forgive me. I know not what I do. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. So I go to the YouTube machine looking for a bumper about forgiveness. Lots of Christian songs about forgiveness. I could only find one secular song. Why? Well, forgiveness, it is indeed a Christian theme. And it is Christianity that is the only religion that provides you with what you need to forgive. Well, just forgive. Just forget about it. You can't. You've been hurt. The Bible helps us deal with those wounds so that we don't have bitter scars and become about everything, where life becomes dull and sour. Everybody is agitating. The world, it's disgusting. The Bible helps us to not become that kind of person. And if you have slidden into a season of bitterness, it's time for some forgiveness. That is precisely the cure the Bible offers. Dr. Lou Priolo in his book, Bitterness, which, by the way, it happens to be available at wretched.org. Just saying. He describes and defines what forgiveness is. He writes this. Forgiveness is fundamentally a promise. God said, I'll remember your sins no more. When you forgive, you are promising to no longer hold your offender's trespasses against him or her. You are going to impute your forgiveness. Sound like a biblical concept? Well, that's because it is. And that's why nobody's been singing about forgiveness since Brian Adams in the world, because they don't have a mechanism. They, they don't have it. They know that they should. It seems to make sense. It does seem to provide some benefits for the individual who releases a debt. But you still can't release the debt if you're a pagan. There's, justice hasn't been satisfied. With Christianity, it is. That person will pay for their sin against you. Or Jesus will have paid for it for that person. Either way. You can be satisfied that justice has indeed been served. The world, not even Brian Adams can can provide that kind of fuel to help you forgive. Back to Lou Priola. When you promise to not impute your offender's trespasses against him, you're promising to no longer charge him for what he has done. So you don't dwell on it. You it's gone. It's done. Remember how far your sin separated from you? That's what you do with another person's sin. And please note, and Lupriolo is going to dive into this. This is this is not an act of our feelings, because let's tell let's be honest, our emotions say, no, I'm not gonna forgive. I want a pound of flesh from the person who's wounded me. But your will overrides that. And, and your will says, nope. I'm commanded, I'm charged to forgive because I've been forgiven and I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not. When you forgive, you relinquish all rights to get even. When you promise to impute your forgiveness, you credit their account like your account has been credited. Furthermore, brace yourself. You make every effort to think well of the person, to pray for the person. What? To speak well of the person. What? This promise can be made in the form of a personal commitment in your heart, even if your offender does not acknowledge his sins to you. When you you forgive somebody in your heart, well, we've heard it. That's what it is. You just do it despite what your heart is telling you. If he does acknowledge his sins, you'll make the promise to him. As you verbally grant him forgiveness to not hold it against him, not to bring it up. And you're going to make two other promises. Not remembering his sins. To never bring up the offense. No need to discuss it again. And similar sins in the future. They may require new confrontations, but you don't get to. Oh, there you go again. Shouldn't ever utter that. Now, 
Does that mean that you can't see a pattern of sin in somebody's life and perhaps make some decisions about your own personal protection and safety? Yes. Yes, you can. But we're talking about our attitude in our hearts of forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't the same as trust. Forgiveness is letting it go. Trust needs to be earned. Forgiveness is granted. You've got to just let it fly, but that doesn't mean you have to welcome the person fully back into an intimate circle with you. They've got to earn it back. It's pretty easy to get lost in that because you feel like until they do, then I have the right to harbor this. No, you, 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 the, the forgiveness ship is set out to sea, and along with it goes their sins. But that doesn't mean that you're going to let them stand behind you on the dock. Okay, that illustration didn't exactly work. Point is, forgiveness granted, trust earned. Lou Priolo, forgiveness involves an act of the will, not the emotion. You let it go, even if it's the seventh time in one day. You are called to forgive. That is exactly what Jesus said. Now, you say, that's hypocrisy. Uh, The Bible says, no, it's not. Hypocrisy is saying, I'm going to forgive, but you don't. That's hypocrisy. But doing something you don't genuinely feel like doing, that's not hypocrisy. That's an overriding of the will. This is from Lou Priolo. Chances are... You did that first thing this morning when you got out of bed. You you got out of bed even though you didn't want to. Were you being a hypocrite? You say, well, no, I wasn't being a I just didn't want to get out of bed. Bingo. You don't want to forgive? You forgive. It's not hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy to profess one thing and do another. For you to tell your friends how much you enjoy getting up in the morning, if you don't, that would be hypocrisy. Getting up to get to work on time even though you don't want to, that ain't hypocrisy. Perhaps a helpful hint from Lou Priolo. See the person who has sinned against you with the words, I've forgiven you across their face. You may be surprised at how much better you will feel as well as how quickly you will forget once you truly forgive. Forgetting, this is brilliant, forgetting is the result of forgiving, not the means of it. Well, just forgive and forget. Well, only if you forgive can you forget. It's the final step of the process, not the first one. So if you're struggling to forgive, you just override your will. It's an act of the will. Would you like to know if you are indeed a bitter person? Here are some questions from Lou Priolo. How many battles have you lost? Do you have battle fatigue? Do your relationships get healed or are they mm, regularly festering? Maybe you're getting tired. How do you know? You have thoughts of resentment toward your offender. You say things like, he'll never change. Or I can't put up with this any longer. Please note, we're not talking about safety issues here. Unnecessarily limiting the scope of your communication because of unsuccessful attempts to resolve conflicts with that person in the past. Easy to do, isn't it? But when we do, as Ken Sandy, in his book that's available at wretched.org called The Peacemaker, you're you're a peace faker. You're not really a, a peacemaker. By the way, speaking of at the website... You said, what about Greg Gifford's upcoming series on the Transform podcast? Uh, yes. Yeah, so starting two weeks uh, from now, he is actually starting a series on bitterness. Well, he better get it right. <laughs> You're going to be judging him. Well, in Christian love. Yeah, not bitterness. Are you allowing anger to keep you from confronting a person biblically? Do you allow yourself to become sinfully angry, anxious, or depressed about the ways in which he has hurt you? Bitterness is a drag okay, maybe this isn't the right motivation, but ultimately it's easier to forgive than to live a life of sour grapes. It just ain't fun. You allow hurt feelings to keep you from fulfilling your biblical responsibilities, especially toward the person to whom you are bitter. 
Or you resort to sinful, retaliatory actions like abusive speech, gossip, name-calling, pouting, quarreling, slander, sulking, temper tantrums, threats, withdrawal. If you have any of those symptoms, you've probably lost a battle by allowing another person's sin to overcome you. You've responded to sin with sin and are in violation of Romans 12.21. Do not be overcome. Don't be defeated by evil, which raises a question. What does that look like? And if you want to put it in militaristic terms, and if, if you need to position your relationship with somebody who has harmed you in strategical terms, did you know that you have a weapon that will guarantee victory over the person who sins against you? That's right. That caustic, nasty person who never relents. You have a weapon that is stronger than nastiness. What is it? Next on Wretched Radio. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like inerrancy. The Bible is the word of God, and God cannot err. Therefore, the Bible is without error. We know that God has revealed himself truthfully in the pages of Scripture. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Prepare to say, now you're talking. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Lou Priolo helping us uproot bitterness. It is a gnarly root and it goes down deep. And if you do not yank it out via the tool of forgiveness... It is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and infect more areas of your life. You've been sinned against by somebody. The cure for those wounded feelings that can easily develop into a root of bitterness are forgiveness. But you say, there's a part of me that wants to fight back. Well, then you are going to love this. Dr. Lou Priolo, Bitterness. It's a booklet we have available at wretched.org. Romans 12, 21b, overcome, conquer evil with good. That's right. You do get to go to war against evil. You can fight against bad dealings. How? With good treatment, with loving actions. Oh, I'd prefer something else. I want a pound of flesh. Well, you can't have it. Instead, you're commanded to act like Jesus. They reviled. He didn't return the insults. What did he do? He prayed for them. That is what we are called to do with people who hurt us. So if you like militaristic terminology, here's your weapon, your God-ordained weapon. Love. That you conquer with love. You may not accept anything less than victory in your personal battles against sin. You've got to win the war. You may not cease from pursuing your opponent with good until you win the war. You love the enemy until the enemy gives in. No stalemates, no standoffs, no impasses, no repetition, no deadlock, no ceasefire before victory. You are not to be conquered. Do not let evil conquer you. Don't, don't, don't let it win. You don't have to. What's, what's the tool that God gives? The weapon of love. Be kind. Forgive. Do good things for those who wound you. Remember when Jesus said something? This had to be so startling to the hearers. The Jewish people who claimed, we've never been enslaved. <laughs> Pretty much their entire history was enslavement from the Assyrians, Babylonians, Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. We've never been slaves to anybody. Absolute not. They were they were a stiff-necked people. They hated the Goyim Romans who oppressed them. And Jesus said, if one of those Goyim that you despise, who oppresses you, tells you to carry their military backpack a mile, go to. Whoa. What was he exhorting? 
using the weapon of love. Because this is, this is always about bigger things than what we perceive. When you're being forgiving, when you're being loving, do you know what you're doing? You're acting like Jesus. When you're being sour, ungracious, agitated all the time, harboring resentment, well, needless to say, you're not being like him. Do not be conquered. The question is not, how long can I hold out? in the face of someone's attacks, but how can I use the resources God has given me to fight and defeat the foe? Means are important to God. And the only means to defeat the enemy is by using good. Only those armaments will work. State-of-the-art artillery. God has given it to you, and you can fight back harder than your opponent, blow for blow, Good is more powerful than evil. And you say once again, I can't do it because I don't feel like it. Do it. Just do it. And you'll have victory over bitterness. That was that was a play on Nike words yeah. right there. But that was <laughs> right there. Do it. Just be kind. Don't, don't throw it back. Don't sling the mud back. I know you can throw it harder and more effectively. Don't not acting like Jesus. And here's what'll happen. Your emotions are going to catch up. Your, 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 your feelings will follow forgiveness. Your feelings will follow being kind and good and loving. But if you're not, they won't. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. Do, do things to them that, 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 that they just don't anticipate. From Lou Priolo, if your offender is not at peace with you, don't assume that it's because he's not at peace with God. So you're trying to make peace with somebody and they just persist in being nasty. There's some questions you can ask yourself. I know this is hard. Somebody has sinned against you. Nevertheless, the old adage, it takes two to tango. It's alive and well for a reason because it does. When a marriage is experiencing acrimony, there, there's never a perfectly innocent party. Both parties are going to be guilty to varying degrees, I grant you. But your concern shouldn't be, I know it's hard, it shouldn't be the totality of their sins versus the number of your sins. As if somehow that lets us off the hook. Instead, we need to be introspective. This might, this might be hard. One, have you provo provoked that person to evil? Did you respond sinfully? The person isn't exonerated because you were nasty and they responded even nastier. But you want to seek forgiveness for any sin you may have committed that provoked him to evil in the first place. Remember, they're fully responsible for their bad behavior. But that doesn't mean that you didn't sin and help them to sin. Number two, have I protracted the evil this person has committed by a sinful response in return. Rather than responding with good, you responded in kind. Maybe you, 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 you stabbed deeper because you were so mad. You offered a sinful response. Could that have contributed to the lack of resolution between you and the other party? Number three, have I prolonged the problem by not dealing with it quickly? you got to deal with them before the sun goes down in your head. And you've got to deal with them whether you feel like it or not. i got to tell you, I'll admit it. I've wasted days, total it up, weeks, where I could have been living in harmony with my family. But I chose to be offended. They have no idea how much I do for them. They have no idea the sacrifice. How could they... Possibly go to Culver's without me. How could they do this thing and twist the knife in my back? Wasted days, wasted nights, and it didn't involve Freddie Fender. Don't waste those days. Don't let the time slip away. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? You need to do it just for give. But at what point? You ask, do I not have to try anymore? Jesus gave the answer. You never get to stop. Now, again, 
safety. You're separated from them. That's one thing. But short of that, we are to persist in it. Instead of becoming bitter, become an expert in overriding your thoughts. Here's a way that you can do that. A self-pitying thought. Why don't you love me as much as you love so-and-so? Grateful thought. Thank you for loving me, even though my love for you is so feeble. Self-pitying thought. Why, Lord, did you allow such a hurtful thing to happen to me? Grateful thought. Thank you, Lord, for your loving faithfulness to me. I don't understand why this happened. And can't even imagine how you intend to glorify yourself through this loss or cause it to work together for my good, but I will trust you. You never lie. Self-pitying thought. All I ever wanted in life was to have a fill-in-the-blank. Why can't you let me have such a good thing? Grateful thought. Thank you for giving me what I need, not necessarily what I want. You know what's best for me, Lord. I know you will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. Self-pitying thought. I hate my life. I wish I'd never been born. This might be for you if you're one of the many people who have contacted me expressing that thought. Thank you, Lord, for the life you've given me. I know my ultimate purpose for which I was created was to glorify you and enjoy you forever. Self-pity, writes Priolo, is rooted in self-righteousness, pride, idolatry, envy, resentment. Tempts us to focus on what we don't have, what we believe we deserve, what we want, what others have been given that we don't have, and why God has seen fit to bless them instead of me. You're going to be a really bitter person. That bitterness, it manifests itself all over your life. May I ask, have you uprooted bitterness yet? Might I challenge you? to make today the day that you do that very thing? It's work. It's hard. Get alone. Do some heavy spiritual lifting. Forgive. Forget rightly. Don't hold an account. Don't bring it up. You'll be giving a gift, and you're going to get one yourself. This is Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at pre-born centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. So I have a question. Do you love and appreciate the content we produce here at Wretched? I hope that answer is yes. And if it is, have you ever considered becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner? It's only because of the kindness and generosity of our gospel partners that allow us to together spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ all over the world to millions of people. So if you're not already an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, could I ask you to prayerfully consider becoming one? Think about what your life might look like as a gospel partner. We're simply asking for your prayerful consideration. Make sure you're not in debt. Make sure you're giving to your local church first and foremost. And if those areas are covered and you could join our mission to reach millions with the gospel, well then of course we welcome you with open arms. If you have questions, we have answers. Wretched.org slash donate is the place to find them. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. 
And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Names of God. We learn a lot about God from the names given to him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. The fall brought conflict into the world, but through Christ, God has brought peace into the world. Peace with God, peace with man, and peace with self. True peace is only known in Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Story time! sound like a fairy tale, but it doesn't have to be. This is Wretched Radio. If harmony in your home seems like an unattainable goal, there's a really good chance it's because you're harboring bitterness due to an unwillingness to forgive, release it, impute forgiveness to somebody else's account thereby acting like Jesus Christ. If you imagine that this story is out of reach for you, I would like to encourage you, it's not. I am not suggesting for a second that it's easy. I'll never forget when I first got introduced, Rick Thomas was maybe the best at dealing with the issue of repentance inside of a home than anybody else I've ever read. That you need to repent. It was something that I'd done probably in an average fashion that manifested itself with, oh, sorry about that. Oh, didn't mean to do that. That ain't repentance. Repentance is asking for forgiveness, agreeing with the person, I done you wrong and I am sorry and I won't do it again. Will you forgive me? That's repentance. I get it. (sighs) But going home and doing it. Ah! And the response could be bad, or it isn't accepted, or you get wounded again. This ain't easy stuff, but it's not ridiculous. It, it Dealing with somebody's sin doesn't have to be nasty. I, 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 I've, I, I've used this example, typically at a homeschool conference, when talking about confronting somebody. What is the goal of the confrontation with your child who did something sinful? The goal is that you both, not one, not them, both of you would find yourself at the foot of the cross, growing in love for the Savior who hung there to forgive you for your sins. That's the goal. Now, now go into your kid's room. Hmm? Now, you go in there loaded for bear with the goal that I am going to demonstrate my love for Jesus Christ and encourage my child, spouse, whatever it is, to come to the cross with me. Go ahead. Yell at him. You can't do it. Now, I know that if you happen to be right now in a state of acrimony in your home, where the thought of going to your kid or your spouse and saying, Honey, I get you. I so totally get you. I I, 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 I so understand because you know what? I've done that before. What you did today, oh, wow, do I ride the struggle bus with that sin. You know what you got here? You got two sinners. You got two sinners who need a savior. Why don't we talk to that savior? Now, discipline becomes another issue. But the goal of confrontation is to lovingly woo, bid that person to come to the cross and join you there. And you say, 
that's too fanciful. I know it's hard. It doesn't have to be. How can you get to the place where you do that? Your own heart needs to be warmed by the forgiveness that you've been given. If your house is filled with acrimony and bitterness and unforgiveness, don't don't even worry about anybody else in your home. Go to work on your own heart. That's where it starts. Natasha informs her husband, Boris, she needs a new widget for the kitchen. So writes Lou Priello in his book, Bitterness, available at wretched.org. He disagrees it's something that's really necessary, but he listens, concedes to the purchase, but he has a stipulation, don't spend more than $25 on the widget. Conflict number one. Natasha comes home from the store with the most expensive version of the widget on the market, $63.50. She just hit Boris in the neck with a stinging pelt from her pea shooter. Now what's he going to do? Unleash his pet rattlesnake? Offer a string of unbiblical utterances? No, this time he's going to do what he's been planning on doing since the last time she flagrantly ignored his request. He's going to pull out his slingshot and carefully load it with good. After forcing himself to say something nice about the widget, which he still believes, is unnecessary. He's going to calmly sit down with her, sit down with her and gently ask if she remembered his instructions. After all, the Bible says the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind, able to teach, patient when wronged, correcting those with gentleness. Conflict number two. Before he can finish the first sentence of his well-thought-out argument, Natasha becomes very defensive. He tries again. She raises her voice, accuses of him of being cheap, stands up crying, you don't love me. You never buy me anything I asked for without making me feel miserable about it. I need it, and I'm not going to take it back. And she stomps out of the room and storms off to the bedroom, slamming the door so hard three pictures fall off the wall. She has bruised his head with a 45 caliber slug. What's Boris going to do now? Boris calmly and prayerfully goes back to his biblical arsenal and pulls out his 357 Magnum. Because he's already anticipated his next move. He's planned for this. This is no big deal. He's practiced it in his mind. He decided while she's sulking in the bedroom, fuming at him, he's going to do the dishes for her. After that, vacuum. Then he'll take Natasha a cup of her favorite tea and bring it up to her on a tray along with a fresh flower he just cut from the yard, placed in her favorite bud vase. Yes. This will do her in. (laughs) She'll never be able to resist. Boris's anticipation grows as he begins to do those loving things. His feelings continue to improve. That'll happen to you, by the way. Your, Your spouse, he, she was nasty. Do good. Watch the good that it does to your heart. He noticed a spring in his step. And a song starting to come from his mouth until conflict number three. As he walks into the bedroom with the tea and flowers, Natasha glares at him. Before he can utter a word, she blurts out, you are so selfish. I'm sorry I ever married you. Go away. Leave me alone. She refuses to talk to him, gives him the cold shoulder. And as Boris walks out the door, he's stunned and confused. How could she refuse such kindness? She has just thrown a javelin through his heart. And he's bleeding badly. Lord, what do I do now? I wasn't prepared for this. His mind races for another weapon to pull out of his arsenal, but nothing he can think of seems appropriate for this battle. So he grabs his Bible and begins prayerfully searching for appropriate passages to help him in his next move. And he comes across Galatians 6.1. If anyone is caught in any trespass, caught in a snare like an animal, trapped, You who are spiritual, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Boris traces a string of 23 cross-references through the Bible. Little by little, a new battle plan emerges. He decides he's going to write a letter. Natasha loves that. I'll assure her of my love, acknowledging any faults of which I'm aware, and let her know I'm willing to do whatever is necessary biblically to resolve this conflict I'm going to graciously remind her that as a Christian, she also has a responsibility to resolve this conflict. And I'll support my case with Scripture. He finishes the letter, 
gently walks into the bedroom where Natasha is lying on the bed, crying. He puts his arms around her, assures her of his love, gives her the letter, tells her he'll be waiting in the living room for her to finish resolving the conflict according to biblical principles, assuring her that he has every intention of also doing so. Then he walks out softly. His kindness in light of her sinful attitude. He's praying that as she reads the letter, sees, smells the flowers, remembers the chores he's done, the tea that he brought, and most of all, the gentle spirit with which he's been imploring her to repent, that she will surrender. And then it happens. As he's sitting on the sofa in the living room, praying for a resolution, he hears the door to the bedroom begin to open. In walks Natasha with tears in her eyes. She walks to Boris, throws her arms around him, thanking him for responding so lovingly to her and asking him to forgive her for her sinful reactions. As he continues to talk, the conflict is brought to him and both walk away closer to each other and, here it comes, closer to the Lord. Sound crazy? No. It doesn't have to be. Does that seem like a dream to you? That dream can come true. Might I encourage you, if there's bitterness in your heart, go to work there first. Deal with it. Get rid of it. Then you can go about the business of showering love on those, even those who love you and yet hurt you. And what once was a fairy tale will soon become reality. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.